Greetings, everyone. It's your boy, Ryan, with the second half. I'm sure you listen to other podcasts, and normally when someone is speaking at the beginning of an episode, it's a plug or an advertisement. Well, in this instance, I would like to plug ourselves. That's right, the second half crew. Speaking for the collective, we appreciate you all for giving us a shot, for rocking with us and honoring us by sharing valuable space and time. If you listen to our first three episodes, an even bigger thank you to all of you for toughing out the subpar sound quality of those recordings. The second half came as a well-intended thought, and the first episodes are a reminder that thought without careful planning just doesn't have the same impact. I am fortunate to be surrounded by people who care enough about me to praise me when it's great, but are also courageous enough to tell me when things can be better. That said, we are a work in progress, and we promise to get better as we move forward. The second half is a perspective, if not a frame of mind, that through reflection and analysis, we can course correct or improve on things that may already be running smoothly. We put this podcast together to touch upon some issues and social constructs that we often bypass or consider taboo. We certainly have some really light fun topics like sports and music, but we also have a list of more profound and impactful subjects to cover. Our collective hope is that we can provoke healthy conversations and normalize healthy behaviors through the sharing of our own experiences and the processing of those experiences. This episode is the first of many delicate and highly sensitive topics. Being a parent is a beautiful thing, but it's not easy and there are resources out there if you need help or know someone in a struggle. I would like to take this time to forewarn of the content in this episode. This is a trigger warning. Please know you are not alone in challenging situations. Our goal and hope is that you find benefit in the vulnerability that we put on display. Please take a moment to let that digest. Let's all remember to take deep breaths as you listen through this episode and know that help is just a phone call away if needed. The content of this show is not intended to replace therapy or promote the crisis line, but the crisis line is a resource for those in need at 1-800-273-TALK. Again, that's 1-800-273-8255. And now, on to our show. From running all the courts, SF to the town. Dad pause, now we just running our mouths. Barbershop talk, rocking the spot. Got you thinking these opinions all coming in hot. Lifelong bond has the convos flow. Time just goes, constant growth. Straight from the base, spreading knowledge and laughs. Listen up, show love, homie, it's the second half. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's the second half again, coming back at you with the second segment of this, which we will cover a really um, sensitive topic, but really important, of course, to just our, our, our way of life day to day. That is the topic of parenting. I got to preface this. This is a, um, a trigger warning for, for everyone. This is a safe space. We're going to treat it as that both here at the shop and also on the podcast, we're going to really be um, taking a deep dive into some reflection, some of our own upbringing, and then sharing our perspectives as to what parenting looks like for all of us now. So that said, trigger warning in effect, and um, let's get to this, fellas. So parenting, lay it out. Really quick, I just want to say who is uh, a part of this discussion. We have uh, Jason Harrison, we have Ivan, Izzel, Peaches to my left, (laughs) and we have Rye Boogie, Hey hey. and uh, I am uh, Harold, uh, also known as the Demon Barber, Sweeney Sweeney Todd. Todd. Appreciate it. So, diving in. So, parenting, fellas, 
um, man, I could go on and on about this. I'm going to start with this to kind of frame this conversation. I think it's really important before we comment on what's current to really talk about our past and just our own experiences and our upbringing. And, you know, for me personally, I'll share this and just be completely transparent. Of course, that's the goal here. Uh, I had a conversation with my own mom uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And this wasn't a conversation to shun her, chastise her. It was a conversation to just share with her some experiences. And the reason I was doing this is because with this pandemic, I've really done a lot of, um, I would say, some personal growing, some reflection as to why things are the way they are. I've read a lot and I've asked a lot of questions about myself. And that led me to this conversation with my mom. And in this conversation, I just started off with letting her know, you did what you you could. You did your best. You absolutely did your best. But a couple of things there. My mom pretty much raised me as a single parent. But worse than that, I really think she would have been better if she was just a single parent. But what she was doing was she was managing a toxic relationship while raising me. And of course, raising you know my, my older siblings, my brother and my sister which made it really tough for her. So oftentimes, I think it was a decision-making process for her as to does she cater to the toxic relationship or does she play the role of the mother? And I, I think she did her best. Like I said, she she, she had this, this just this, uh, this work ethic that I, I can't even speak to. Um, she'd be the first one up, making breakfast for everyone, making sure everyone was up and ready, go to work and, you know, Growing up back in the day, that was like a true nine to five. But we lived in the city, so she's bussing it. So that nine to five easily was maybe 11 or 12 hours. My time she got home, she's tired as shit, but she's, you know, cooking, making sure everyone's fed. And, um, you know, that, that's, that, was, that was parenting for her. So I didn't get the, the type of parents that were at every game that were encouraging me um, to participate in after-school activities or any curricular activities. Uh, I, I will say I, I grew up doing some shit, you know. Like she got me into orchestra. I played the violin for a really long time. But even in that, her attention was just so divided. So when I was speaking to her about this experience, I really pointed out a specific age, 15. And I told her, Man, 15 was a really tough age for me. And I told her why. It really was tough. It was uh, right about the time I found out what was really going down in my family. And, and this is something that's really not spoken of in Filipino families very much in the culture. It's something that, it's kind of a double-edged sword. You know, the men have this machismo and they really play to it. Uh, where having like a second wife or a mistress is cool and it's something they talk about during the drinking circle. You know what I mean? That's what is fucking normal. It's sick, but it's normal. Um, and at the same time, you know, it, it's just part of the culture. It's, it's something that women kind of just, they, they were born to deal with and just eat up. Like, oh shit, my, my husband is cheating on me. Not just cheating on me. Fuck, he's developed and have you know now he's spreading a seed and has a second family and they still just go with it that's pretty much my 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 situation and i found all of that out at 14 turning 15 so 15 was a really tough um age for me because as i'm entering the stage where i'm supposed to be processing the best parts of high school i'm also just hit with this double whammy of what the fuck just happened at home, you know? And and it's funny, not funny, but, you know, that's the first reaction. When I really think back to it now, my first reaction at the time was to guard myself. I didn't even have this instinctive thought process to think of, damn, how was my mom doing? Um, that's not what you think about at 15. You think about yourself, right? So being my age now, getting to process all of that, while that was a tough experience for me, I really understand it was a tough experience for her. So when I go into this conversation with her, it was opening up about how difficult that experience was, but also thanking her for just staying strong 
getting through that and then staying with me and of course guiding me through that through the parts of the experience which she could guide me for um so that's how i'm going to open this shit up and your thoughts well to piggyback off of that um my experience was pretty similar you know my parents were on and off uh throughout my childhood and um it's a good thing you said this is a trigger warning because i may get emotional uh during this conversation because like you i had to witness a lot of that stuff right and as a kid are you really being heard? Are you really being seen? Um, you're you're kind of thrusted to being more mature than you are uh, because one of your parents is leaning on you because they're they're hurting, right? Um, I know for speaking for my mom, she doesn't recognize how much she put on me growing up and uh, how much she put on my brother as well. So, you know, having to be in the middle of these arguments and these disputes between my parents, um, my mom also was pretty much like a single parent, you know, and I don't think she knows that I recognize that in her. Uh, But I do recognize everything that she did for us. And because I was there, I was her shoulder to cry on. Um, My parents, as we were growing up and they were going through this on and off stage throughout our lives, they separated the both of us. And at the time, it was only the two of us. Uh, My younger brother, you know, we're 14 years apart, so he didn't see any of this stuff. But for my older brother and I, they didn't realize how damaging that was for us because we we became strangers to each other. You know, I don't even know if my brother recognizes this. But for myself, I know that not being around my brother during these times, it made us drift apart just as much as it made my parents drift apart. It, it was it was difficult. And, you know, I, I'm realizing these things now. Um, I mean, even before, I, I've recognized these things. You know, I, these are things I, I talk about in therapy. Didn't think at that time, you know, therapy was considered taboo right but now it's like i am a firm believer that everybody should have a therapist just so that you can let these things out and feel like you have a safe space to talk about these things going back to my mom and being there for her and being her shoulder to cry on and really not be the kid that i wanted to be but be a person for her to lean on it it was tough you know And, um, a lot of those things, when you're growing up, you don't recognize them. You don't pay that much attention to it, but it has an effect on you later in life. And I have, you know, six kids now, and I could tell from my first three kids to my last three, that there is a significant difference in my relationship with my first three and my last three. Um, and I, I truly believe that has to do with the things that I experienced early on in life. Yeah. Um, dang, like hearing you guys talk about the single parent being raised by single parents, I was actually really raised by a single mom. Um, shout out to my mom. Damn, you did the damn thing. Love you. Jeez. Um, Shout out to all the single moms. All the single moms, for real. parents. And the single parents, for real, yeah. Um, I had, I mean, I had my older sister with me. um, And growing up, it was, it was weird. It was like, I I was a kid, so I, I just did whatever a kid does. Went outside, played in the backyard. Dang, thank God we had a house that I had a backyard. I mean, not a lot of people will will have that growing up. But, dang, my mom was doing it all by herself and provided every meal would be there. She'd send us off to school, drop us off. Man, she she would take me to all my sport events, everything, baseball, basketball, whatever it is that I needed to do, she would do it. And she would do it for my sister, too, because we both played sports. Um, It was a... It was tough, like, not having a father figure around. Um, 
Not saying my dad wasn't like coming around every now and then, um, but just having that constant male figure in your life, it was it was absent for most of my life. Most of my life, um, I could hit him up on you know landline back in the day. <laughs> um, super old. The second half. The second half. We always win. <laughs> Man, we going into the two minute. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was. Man, it's bringing back a lot of memories of. Man, just being able to see my mom go through those struggles. I don't even know if she even dated <laughs> when uh, my sister and I were at home. I Wait, let me think real quick. You know what? Take it back. She did one time. <laughs> she did one time. Brought a date back home. This is being way transparent. Brought a date back home. Um, my sister and I were pretending like we were asleep. <laughs> but my ass then creeped up out of the room and went around the corner to look into the living room to see what they were doing. That's It is. It is. Am I ready to see yeah. what I'm about to see? How old were you? And if I do see it, I don't even I, remember. I see it. <laughs> yeah, but I was little. Forget about it. See, you're not even ready to no. smell it. No, no. Oh, yeah, I love it. No, you let no. Not at all. I'm saying, I smell. I smell no. brand new. It, cool. it should not be the first thing you smell oh, at that point in your life. Man, she wasn't doing anything, y'all. Oh, Come on. Yeah, cool. They were just chatting on the couch. That was it. They were just chatting, uh, and then I broke it up, and the dude took off. <laughs> I, 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 I was a that. little hater, all right? <laughs> I, I can relate to that. Um, you know, my mom wasn't necessarily dating, or I guess she didn't want to say she was. But, you know, there were a couple guys uh, that came around. Um, and, yeah, she never put a label on it. But for, you know, thinking back now that I'm older... I'm sure these guys were interested in my mom. Um, but yeah, like there there was no label and we didn't say anything of, about it. Uh, we didn't think anything of it. They were just these quote unquote friends that came by, hung out with us, never said that they were interested in our mom, but we just looked at them like, Oh, okay, cool. They're hanging out with yeah. us, right? Yep. And the whole dad part, yeah, not to say that my dad wasn't around. Yeah. He was around, and he tried to make his presence felt, but at the same time... You kind of brushed it off, right? Absolutely. Right? I mean, I can relate because I was a young father also, so when he had us, not really 100% sure how old he was, but growing up, or I guess the way that he was raised and seeing his dad, my grandfather, it was male dominant, right? They they just did what they did. Going back to what Ryan was saying, they they did what they did. And yeah. for the women, they just, they took it. And it sucked. But as a kid, you don't really see that part and understand it. You just kind of go with the flow and we're there to catch them, right? I, I mean, for me, I was there to catch my mom. Yeah, we felt it as kids. Man. Absolutely. So we just gave 100%. the hugs. Right. That's you know? the thing to what Harold was saying earlier. You felt everything. Yeah, And true. they, you know, again, I'm, tr- I'm being really careful in not to put blame or assign blame to our mothers because I know right. they were doing everything they could 100 percent. in staying in that relationship with all its toxicity you displace so much and put so much on your children not intentionally it's just natural we we love the shit out of our parents right that's how you grow up so when you see one hurting the other one 
you gravitate towards the one that's being hurt. That's just natural. But when you really encapsulate that and focus in more on what was happening, you've got this kid who's forced to take on a very different challenge at a time in their lives that they're just ill-prepared for. You know, you're not equipped for that shit. Mm-hmm. So, as difficult as it was for you know the moms, I, I really don't think they really understood the ripple effects of it. And you know, back to to that conversation with my mom. I mean, she was just so apologetic, and I love her to death. Uh, I'm blessed to have a mom where I could have conversations, uh, no matter how tough they are. I, I can have these conversations with her, and we can both approach them open minded and willing to be at the same table. She really, you know, meets me at that table. Um, and and it, it speaks to her resiliency, but also to just how great of a parent she is that she's still willing to learn at this stage in her life. I mean, she's, you know, 74, 75 um, in October, 75 in October, goddamn. Um, <laughs> but it, it just shows you a couple of things. One, moms are just fucking amazing. Uh, I'm a dad, and I'd love to say I'm as amazing as, you know, the the mother of my kids is, but I'm not. Um, emotionally, I'm just not as mature as her. That's I, I'll never be. Uh, I'm also just not put on this earth to handle the same type of hardships that a woman is equipped to to handle, you know. And I'll just put that out there right now. There's a stigma in many cultures, not just the Filipino culture. Jason, you can probably touch on this for, you know, the African-American culture and and whoever else may be listening to this. Um, But men are just put on this pedestal like you are the, the glue to the family. You're the one that holds it down. You're not, and that's not true. The, the mom is always the glue to the family because the mom is the nurturer. We go there when we need to be at our weakest. You never go to your dad at your weakest moment. You go to your mom at your weakest moment. And in that weakest moment, there's so much power and strength that develops from that. And men, you know, there's some of us that do it better than others, but we just don't do it better than the women who are really good mothers. Bev was a motherfucking gangster, dude. My mom didn't play. Beverly Harrison. Beverly Jones. Bev Jones was a motherfucker. She didn't didn't even let she didn't even let my father taint her into being a Harrison. You know what I'm saying? My mom was like, man, she was old school. My mom was born and raised in Oakland. My dad um, was born in the South, but I mean, raised in Richmond area and stuff like that. He was raised in Oakland too, but. Most of my dad's family from from Richmond. Mom's so from Oakland, and my mom was like the kind of person where she was like, "I'm not even going to marry you until I know what you got going on. Like, what kind of kids you got? Who you who are you out here fucking? Basically, yeah. right? And and what's going on? And, and I think my mom tells me all the time. She's like, "I think your dad asked me to marry him like four or five times." My mom said no every time. Her last name's still Jones, right? <laughs> But at the same time, my mom and my dad dated for years, like eight years, seven years, right? Most of that, I wasn't born, okay, mind you. And my, my siblings have told me the story that um, my mom had told my dad when they were dating, and she was like, listen, this is pretty much going to end here unless I know who your other kids are. Like, I'm not going to have you, I'm not going to run you around here talking about you're my man and you ain't really acting like one. Basically, you know what I mean? Like, who are your kids and who who's taking care of them? And so she had them do just that. And so my brothers and sisters all knew my mom. Their moms knew my mom because my mom was like, listen, I'm not going to date this man and not have your kids be around me because if I'm going to take this to the next level, that's how it's going to be. Like I said, my mom was a fucking gangster. She didn't care what nobody thought. And so she told them that. And so my dad did that. And of that, it was crazy because I, I, my brother and I still remember this. My, my closest brother in age is two years older than me. And 
when we were little kids, my mom used to take me to his house in Richmond, his grandfather's house in Richmond. I'm, I'll never forget this. We used to play on his grandfather's front door. We used to play like wrestling. Man. He used to have this like uh, wrestling stage and whole ropes and shit. I was like, man, you got some good ass toys, bro. It's dope, bro. But this like, this was like my boy at the time. This was my friend. And then after this whole situation went down, actually my brother's grandfather passed away. And uh, my dad had to take responsibility for my brother. No idea that this was my brother, by the way. Mm-hmm. And so my dad's like, oh, we're going to go pick up your brother today, yada, yada, yada. I, I lived with my mom full time, but my dad would have me, you know, when he could. And so one weekend, he's like, we're going to go pick up your brother. And I'm juiced. I'm like, okay, for sure, let's go pick up my brother. Like, I got an older brother. And get there. I knew this motherfucker. I'm like, bro, I kicked it with him last Tuesday. What you talking about? This is my brother. This is my boy. This is my friend. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so he was like, no, this is your brother. I'm like, okay, I see you, man. So like, like I said, it's, it's what you guys talk about. Like, your mom has to be the backbone at times. You know what I mean? Like, the uncomfortable conversation has got to happen. At some point in time, right? And my mom was just like, we're going to have it. Otherwise, I ain't doing nothing. Basically. And my dad was like, we got to have it. You know what I mean? The way it is what it is. And so like, I, I probably don't have... Um, I couldn't have a closer relationship with my siblings right now than I do. Because we all share this experience. And like, our dad was a Rolling Stone. Papa was a Rolling Stone. We understand that. We all got different moms, but same dad. But we, there's not a person alive that will tell us that we're half-brothers. You probably get socked in the face, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. If you told, like, we were half-siblings, we'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about, right? Like, we've been through such stuff in life with our parents separately and then shared what happened with our dad, right, together and have kind of developed our own lives outside of that with what we were given. And, you know, my dad was only given so much, too. So, you know, I don't give full blame on him because he was, you only, you can only do so much with the tools you're given, Right. And um, he did his best, but it wasn't really, it really it wasn't really what we needed uh, until there was a woman there saying, "Hey, you need to get your shit right, because if not, you know what I mean, you about to just let go of your own legacy, essentially, without telling him, right? Well, without telling him that." And so my mom, that was the type of woman she was, but even more so than that, man, like to speak on to the type of person that I am today has. Everything, and I say, man, like it's crazy as you guys tell me that how you find out about your life later, how much your parents have really done for you, bro. Like I'm talking about like Saturdays, I'm at the Solano flea market, bro, at like five thirty in the morning, helping my mom pick out like a spot for us to like. I'm selling Pokemon cards, and she's selling whatever she got to sell to make sure she make rent and all. But as as a kid, I'm one hella mad. I got to wake up hella early on a Saturday. Two, I don't know why the fuck I'm really out here. Like you, my mom ain't telling me she ain't making rent and stuff like that, right? But she is. But this is what she has to do. And then at the same time, she's teaching me the ins and outs of business and how to hustle and not sit on your ass. And if you got to go get it, go get it. But for me, at the time as a kid, I'm like, oh, why are you waking me up like this? Fix me some cocoa pebbles and turn on some cartoons and let's get to work. It's a Saturday, you know what I mean? Like, what am I doing out here? But I look back now at it and I go, I wouldn't want to be a business owner. I wouldn't want to uh, get up and grind the way that I get up and grind if that hadn't been instilled in me, even when I didn't want it to be. Just kind of like how she did with my dad. Like, she made him a father, like a real father, because of the fact that she was like, you got to do what you don't want to do. I don't care what else you're talking about. And that's just the kind of person or woman and mother my mom has always been. And it's huge to me because I remember my mom, so my mom owns a uh, graduation attire business. So she makes graduation attire for like Sac State, Davis, um, Cal, uh, she's done DVC. I mean, she's, she's made hats for like Johnny Cochran, like crazy stuff. My, and, and when she did Cal, I remember my mom being up for like 24 hours for like three days straight because she had to make like 250, 300 graduation hats for the black student grad at Cal. And she did it all by herself because she didn't have a store. She didn't have a store. So she was in our apartment with her sewing machine up full 24 hours for three days making hats. Still getting up, making us breakfast, getting us to school, get us to school, come back home 
and make graduation hats so that she could do it and deliver it to them the way it was supposed to be delivered. So to me, I was like, the way I look at things now, it's like, yeah, shit's hard. And I'll never say that people shouldn't be able to accept that that's something's hard, but in my mind, I see my mom and I'm like, yo, I remember watching her do this shit and being like, it's just what you gotta do. You know what I mean? And she does that to this day. She has that same attitude to this day. My mom's 72. She'll be 73 this year. And she wakes up every day. She's a cook, so she loves cooking. She makes, like, cookies for a couple stores. She'll cook for, I mean, a lot of local businesses. She'll just cook and be like, you guys need some dinners? You guys want some dinners? Because my mom loves to see people's faces when they eat her food, right? But that's, that's what keeps her going. If she don't do those things, my mom's just going to be chill, and she don't like to chill. You know what I mean? She just has that ambition. And so, like, for me, having that kind of backbone in a woman as a figure to me and now having a daughter, right, it goes to show me, like, okay, you can instill those type of things no matter what. Because like, to me, in my mind, I'm like, I got to teach my son this stuff. I got to teach my son that. But, like, I got to teach my daughter this shit, too. Because I need her to be able to take care of herself. I need her to be able to be like, you know what I mean, have that go mentality because it's important because that's what my mom had and she instilled that. So, um, like I said, man, Bev was a gangster, dude. Still is to this day, you know. And, and uh, she made sure shit got done and she just never really made excuses for herself. She definitely had her down days. Never say that she didn't. But um, she never let her down days get the best of her where she couldn't take care of us. And myself and my sister, you know, were her whole world. And we were 11 years apart, my sister and I. Still not worried. We still are 11 years apart, right? But she was dealing with that in that moment in time, raising two kids, single mom apartment, and just was making sure that shit got done. You know what I mean? So like I said, man, Bev was a gangster dude. Shout out Beverly Jones, man. Oh, yeah, man. That was a real one, Yes, yes. I think that's what's pretty cool. Like, even hearing everybody, the perspective you have as an adult, especially when you become a parent, man, you really, like, really find appreciation for what your parents did for you when you were younger. And that was like, um, I texted my mom while I was in San Diego for work. Um, I just woke up Sunday and text her out of nowhere I'm just like you know um, my appreciation for you grows because I even see how you are with my kids and um, to just know where you came from I mean I, I had my kids around the same age my mom had me and like when I look back my parents my parents had a lot of fun I, I grew up with my mom and my stepdad but like n- now as a parent I'm just like fuck man like you really just trying to figure this shit out on the fly, like while you're while you're a dad, while you're a mom, you're really just figuring this shit out. Kids having kids, bro. yeah, that's what it yeah. Is. That's what it is. And um, whenever I look back, I'm like, I feel like I have a very different relationship with my mom because my biological father wasn't in the picture. Actually, it made it even more difficult because we grew up in like Daly City, and all of my biological family's over there, so. I would see them when I was playing ball. I'll, you know, they would go to rival schools. They would know friends of my friends. Um, and I think that just made it even more difficult because I feel like if he was completely out of the picture, then it's like you're just out. In this case, I'm seeing little remnants of you. I'm always kind of feeling you around without you ever really being around. So it was, um, I think I was blessed to have a lot of people who wanted to take up that father figure role. I had my uncles, him and his brother. Um, I had my stepdad who tried to fill in. But I don't know what it is. There's just there's just a gap or like uh, there's just a role that your biological father, you feel like they should be taking that role. And I always felt that growing up, like. You, you guys ever see that uh, Fresh Prince um, episode where he's like, why don't he want me, man? Like, why don't he want me? Like, that shit. Hey, that, yeah. was, uh, Woo! That, was, that was when Will Smith realized, hey, I'm moving on from this and I'm going to film Legend. <laughs> he was trying to win one right there. Yeah, yeah. But that, um, that really resonated with me, man, because I would see him from time to time, this dude, and then you hear this, he's a good guy, he's a good guy. 
he's a good guy he would be here you know that i feel like that's the ultimate sign of a man is like taking care of your shit no matter what and what more is that than your fucking seed you know like that's i don't know that's just that's just me it's not built into everybody yeah that's how how, like when i say my father he he was a good guy man my dad would give you the shirt off his back but he just didn't have the tools himself Mm. To know how to raise a kid He could be a good man He'd be a good man to you 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 Right But if you like Hey where your kids at He'd be like man Yeah That's a good question Let me call and find out Right I can tell you where my kids are right now To this yeah. day Right To the hour Right Minute second But For me It took Seeing like My brother Who had a kid When he was like 19 and His whole life changed Like bro My brother was doing all kind of shit, you know what I mean? Running streets, whatever. But he also took care of his business. But when it came down to his child, bro, my brother shut everything down and was just like, I'm not going to repeat this anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? This can't happen no more. Because we could say the same thing. Like, shit, you know, our dad was in and out. Our dad, bro, there would be like times I wouldn't see my dad for like a year or two, something like that, you know what I mean? But it's like <clears throat> you have to decide when you're not going to do that Exactly. Right? Or like, when when does it stop, right? And then for me, it was crucial because I'm the youngest of all my brothers and sisters. And so I'm looking at what they're doing, right? I'm not really tripping off of what dad's doing. I already know what he does. So I'm looking at what they're doing. My sister, my sister got kids. My brother got kids. Okay, what they doing with their kids? They took care of the kids. I knew when it came time for me, when I had my first kid, there's no question. Well, I'm taking care of yeah, and that's that's kind of like that's exact. Actually, that's exactly um, the point. Is like anything you go through, right, good or bad, you can learn from it. I just dropped this um, this spoken word, like father, like son, and it's crazy to see people relate and like tear up when I perform it. But it's literally just first verse is all the pain you go through having that absent father or that absent parent. Second verse was showing love to the people that stepped up. And the third verse is just understanding that, like, hey, that that trauma, that experience makes you that father you are today. Like, I could never do what my dad did to me. And I think that's such a big part of why I'm the dad, the type of dad I am to mine now, you know? So, yeah, I totally agree. You know what you guys are both speaking on, um, what your brother did and what you're doing, uh, Ivan, by not repeating what your parents did for you. If you were to repeat it, what you're passing on to your kids, this is me having a wife as a psychologist, so I hope she's listening. Intergenerational trauma. And it's a big thing. You don't want to pass that shit on, and the only way to stop it is for you to stop, sit, and say, I can't have this go on to my seed, to the future that I brought into this world. So... You know, you you are the only stop measure for intergenerational trauma. Learning that you, well, first of all, recognizing that you experienced trauma, accepting what that trauma did to you and what it meant to you and what it means to you now, but also, more importantly, and this is the most crucial, what am I going to do to stop myself from passing it on to the next generation? So, I mean, that that's, that's where... It, it starts, and, and let's segue into that, going into kind of just how we were reflective of our upbringing. What does that mean to us now as parents to our own children? I'm glad you brought that up because for myself, it was something I didn't recognize in myself as a parent, right? I was a very young parent. I was a dad at 22. And growing up, the way I was raised, my parents or my mom, I should say, was basically raising me the same way she was raised. You either fall in line or you don't. And if you don't fall in line, I'm going to make sure you do fall in line, right? And it wasn't until my wife now, right? Shout out to my wife, Regina. Um, If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have recognized the type of parent that I was. So my first three are from a previous, right? And the way that I was raising them was how my mom 
and you know, if you want to throw my dad in there, how they were raising me. And it was just fall in line. What I say goes. And if you don't listen, this is what's going to happen. Right. This generation of kids, uh, they're all different and you got to treat them as such. Right. You can't just say. This one was able to do this, so you should be able to do that. Right. And down the line, everybody should just fall in line. So as a young parent, I could say that I damaged um, my relationships with my, my first three because I just thought one way and I thought that was the right way and then that they would fall in line because that's what I asked of them. Because as a kid growing up, I did what, I, what was asked of me. So if I did what was asked of me, they should do what is asked of them. That's not how it works. Everybody's different. Kids are different. Parenting is different. And again, credit to my wife. She was the one that helped me recognize that. And I, that was something that I always wanted to fix it with, fix with myself, right? I, I recognize these things. But even though I recognize them, it took me a while before I actually did something about it, right? I, I'd, I'd talk about it, I'd recognize it, but I didn't change. You would see me change for a little bit, but I'd revert back to my old self because that's what I knew. I had to unlearn what was in, ingrained in me. So now, uh, now that I'm older and I'm able to recognize these things, especially with therapy, I think I've been able to um, build a better relationship with my older kids and with my younger kids and um, unlearning uh, the things that my uh, parents did with me. Um, it took a lot and I'm still working on it, but I know in time it'll get better and it's something that I want to continue to work on because as a parent, you're, you're going to go through, you're going to go through a wall just to show them how much you love them, what you're willing to do for them. And you're not going to let anything stand in your way. Uh, at least for me, that's, those are the things, those are the sacrifices I'm willing uh, to go through. Because that's how much uh, I love them. And I, I want them to know that. And I'm constantly working on myself just so that I could be better for them. What do you think prompted that change? It was my wife, honestly. Um, I was, I don't know what it was, why I didn't want to recognize it or do anything about it. But I'm I'm sure it had to do with the way that I was raised, right? And the way that my my dad was, um he was stubborn. Um whatever he said, that's how it went even though my mom didn't agree with it, but I always saw my mom give in to my dad, right? And so I thought, well, I could do the same. Even though you say as a kid, like for myself, the things that my dad did, I promised, I made a promise to myself, I'm not going to be the way my dad was. And the things my, da my mom did with me, I promised myself, I'm not going to be that way with my kids. As you get older, you don't realize, or at least for myself, I did exactly what my parents did, right? And I can honestly sit here and say, I was worse, right? I took it to a whole nother level. And my wife now, she was the one that helped me realize uh, just the way that I talked to them, my temperament, uh, it was toxic, you know? Um, she helped me realize that my older kids didn't really have a relationship with me. They didn't know how to talk to me. And I honestly didn't know how to talk to them. Right. 
But in talking with her and building the relationship I have with her, uh, she helped me realize like what a healthy relationship is. And I've been able to rebuild a relationship with my older kids. And I'm still working on that. And I'm going to continue working on that. Dude, I'm hella commend you on that. Yeah. For real. Like, I can honestly say, out of, like, I have four kids. I got three older ones. I've, man. I've had ups and downs with my three older kids. Like, I can say I have a cool relationship with them, but I don't. I honestly don't. I broke their trust somehow by my actions in the past. I'm trying to dig myself out of it and build a relationship and trying to reach out. But it's hard. It's so hard to try to build a relationship when it's already broke. But I'm going to still freaking try. Because they didn't ask to be here. And it's my job to try. I'll reach out here and there. Even though they don't hit me back, I'll still keep going. You know? And the only relationship I have right now between my four kids is my younger daughter. Y'all see her all the time, man. Um, That's what I hoped I would have been to my older three, but I was a kid having kids. I had the older three back to back to back, and I I started at 20 years old. 20 years old. I didn't know jack shit. (laughs) <laughs> about being a parent. You didn't know you were I, about pull-out <laughs> Man, for hey, real. I, I, I either, it's, though, you know? Yeah. I, I, for I mean, real. I, I could relate to Peaches because I, I was, you know, I was 22. Yeah. You know, you're 20, it's, I was 22. Man. Yeah, I was still a kid having kids. And I yep. thought at that age, and I know where my son gets it from now, we thought we knew it all, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I probably drove drove them away a lot because of my temper. I would always show it every single time when I had to pick them up from school because I would drive super far to pick them up, and I was in traffic. So everyone knows about traffic. You get angry in traffic, no matter how Christian or how religious anything, you, you're going to say some stuff or be angry. <laughs> but... They, I, I feel so bad, and I, I tried to talk to them when they were in um, high school and let them know, like, yo, I was an idiot. I was temperamental. I didn't know how to raise y'all. I didn't know nothing. I didn't even know how to communicate with y'all, like, like you talked about a little bit. But I am always and forever going to be here for y'all. You hit me up right now and you in trouble, bet I'm over there. Out of doubt. I'll drop whatever the hell I'm doing just to go get y'all. Um, so just know that, like, man, if my older girls ever hear this stuff, daddy got you for life. Even even the younger one, man, you already know daddy got you. Okay, that bitch. It just goes to show you how deep-rooted trauma can be, right, to both of your experiences, to to all of ours, actually, Uh, but kind of just piggybacking on what both of you are speaking of. When you're growing up, and and this is the disconnect between this current generation and the generation that parented us, they were doing what their parents did. With no evaluation, no self-reflection, no analysis, no time for stoppage just to say, is what I'm doing right? They, they didn't question themselves because they were programmed to do so. So, you know, it's, it's easy to also fall into the same line where you're just being programmed and you don't realize it. And then now you're passing it on. So like what you were saying, Harold, having Jen put that in your forefront having therapy 
um, have you address that even more and really focus in, hone in on what was going on in your own parenting so you could separate that. But the word that sticks out to me the most is unlearn because it's something, it's a new concept, right? It's a new term to most people. Uh, in the field of psychology, they talk about it all the time. It's funny to me, you know, Rianne is always telling me to unlearn everything. Unlearn how I throw my socks on the floor. <laughs> unlearn where I throw that towel in the bathroom. Unlearn how I keep the hair on the, uh, the bathroom sink. Unlearning is so difficult because I'll, I'll give you an example or an analogy. All of us right here could probably, if we wanted to, learn how to play the piano right now. Maybe not in a day, but, you know, we can learn it. But take that same person who has been playing the piano for 20, 30 years. And now you've got to play an organ, which is pretty much the same as a piano, almost the same notes. But you've got to play it as an organ, not as a piano. Think of how difficult it is to unlearn, oh, fuck, this ain't a fucking piano. This is completely different. So when you take that and make that analogous to parenting, you're parenting these kids and you think you're on autopilot, but it's like, hold up. How the hell do I take everything that was deep-rooted in me and make sure that my sons and my daughters don't experience the same thing? It's, it's hard. Unless you, unless you have a, a revelation or a come-to-Jesus moment, you probably don't even know you're doing it. So, it's you know, constant work. The, the fact that you're working on it, though, yeah. credit yeah, yeah. yourself for that. Exactly. Credit yourself for that, bro. There's, there's, there's strength in what you're doing right now. There's power in knowing what unlearning means. And I think mm-hmm. that a lot of it starts with just this. And, you know, this is, again, when we were talking about some of the basic fundamentals for how we wanted to shape this podcast, this is exactly it. We wanted to unlearn some shit. And we wanted to normalize the new norms. It's cool to be a sensitive dad. Fuck that. I'll say that yeah, all over again. It really it's, is. It's cool to be a sensitive I'm dad who's sensitive. in tune with your your feelings and who is able to try and get to know your kids for who they really are. See them, right? Being seen is magical. And if you grew up feeling like you were unseen being seen for the first time could be awakening in itself. Oh yeah. Bay vibes with a whole lot of laughs. Kicking knowledge on the new podcast. Dad vibes, but we run it with glass. Listen up, show love, homie. It's the second half. Yeah, it's the second half. Hey, it's the second half. Kicking knowledge on the new podcast. Listen up, show love, homie. It's the second half.